for the leaders that are able to say, I really want to bring together voices so that I can make a wise decision or so that we can make a decision together, that's when there's real value. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the No Fat Cats podcast. I'm your host, Wesley Dean. In today's episode, we're going to dive in with Lauren Green, the owner of Dancing with Markers. Have you ever been to a conference where there's someone off to a side who is drawing what's going on or creating a process through which everyone can visualize the content at that conference or that workshop or even a graphic facilitator where someone is working with everyone to help them draw, come up with ideas that are then compiled into something that's presented to a group. If you have, chances are what you're looking at was a visual note taker or, or visual facilitator. There's different kinds of graphic facilitation that can happen. And in this episode with Lauren, we dive into how having visual notes that kind of encapsulate the biggest, the most important ideas in your meeting can actually make something much more memorable and impactful. Lauren, like many of us, has had to deal with the switch to COVID where now a lot of things are being done remotely, where before she would show up with markers and paper or a board and kind of draw out as people were talking. But with all of that being canceled, she's had to switch to doing things online. And if you have had to figure out what it's like as you've transitioned any part of your job to going online, going virtual, this podcast episode is going to be really helpful for you. She also, towards the end of our podcast, dives into what it's like to create kind of Zoom breakout rooms. I think everyone who is doing virtual conferences is having to adjust a large portion of what it is that they do. And while all of us know what it's like to do a presentation online, probably by now, a lot of people haven't quite figured out how to do a breakout room. How do you get smaller groups together where you can then create content in a way that's collaborative in a small group? And she goes over her tips on how to do that. I love that she just brings this great combination of leadership and creativity together in this podcast for knowing how to bring out the best in people and how to create clarity in a meeting through graphics design and at the same time being a great listener. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Lauren Green. Hey, Lauren Green, welcome to No Fat Cats, the podcast helping high-performing creative teams get even better and helping people set goals, uh, develop a plan, and execute consistently. Um, thanks so much for being on the podcast. So I know you are the CEO, executive director, and owner of Dancing with Markers. Uh, so I'd love to hear for our listeners, you know, what do you do? I mean, Dancing with Markers sounds like a lot of fun, but what is that process like? Sure. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, well, first off, I have lots of markers and I dance around my apartment with them. No, I'm just <laughs> That's not really what I do. Um, but I did have somebody ask me once if I could come in and, and just do the drawing and, and no dancing, please, which is <laughs> 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 not to create any confusion. But so uh, so I am a visual practitioner and that is a big umbrella term for a lot of different hats, all of which involve using visuals. Um, so I call myself a visual facilitator. I'm now also a virtual facilitator. Uh, I am As also, everyone has had to do, I think. I think, yes. <laughs> With yeah. COVID. That's correct. Yeah, everybody's gone that way. Um, I'm also a graphic recorder, which if you've ever seen someone in conferences who rolls out a big piece of paper um, and is drawing live what they are seeing and hearing, um, that's a graphic recorder. So I also do that. And now I do the same thing on my iPad. We call that digital scribing. 
as well as I am also a, a certified coach. So I do leadership and career coaching um, with a bent towards using visuals as part of a personal change and transformation process. I do a lot of workshops and things like that as well. And I've you know, gotten a little creative during COVID-19 with my offerings because as you know, we've all had to make a bit of a shift. Yeah, so I am really curious with the coaching. So you actually went and got certified as a coach to help kind of in that leadership space. Yes. So uh, coaching certifications take a while. It's actually a pretty robust process. Um, it actually took me longer to get my coaching certification than it did to get my master's degree. <laughs> and part of that is because it, it just takes a long time to get the number of training hours and required hours and mentoring hours that you need in order to call yourself uh, coaching certified. So when I finally got my credential um, this year, I was pretty excited, but I've been coaching for, um, I guess, almost three years now. Oh, I know. I'd heard about the kind of the pros and cons of doing some, and people had mentioned that uh, you know it is a lot of work, kind of getting your coaching. But if it's something that's important, you know, it can be really, really valuable just in terms of learning through the process. Um, as you know, I've talked to a number of different coaches. Totally, and I really think um, you know, coaching skills are life skills. It is a good idea for anybody to have a few basic coaching skills to know how to listen well and to know how to ask questions, which are two of the skills that I think are incredibly important right in the time we're in now. So a lot of my workshops have been focused on uh, leading through conflict as well as asking powerful questions and learning to listen well. And they're all skills we can learn. They don't have to be hard. No, that's great. And so what, what I really love is that you've kind of managed to combine a very graphic, like a in terms of design, component of being able to do things quickly, visually with leadership. So, so I feel like it's just is a love when those things like all combine. I feel like there's like a really sweet spot that I could just get like can kind of love like geeking out on like visuals, leadership, uh, team coaching, because some of the best things happen in teams. And if you can't communicate creatively to to a team that you're with, clearly what it is that you want to do is it's kind of hard to accomplish know what you're trying to do but but to back up like where i know a little bit about your journey obviously we've interacted at some you know over the years but how did you kind of first get into this this idea of you're visually drawing what's going on sure um it's that's a wonderful question and i'm i'm proud to say that um i'm in my fifth year of being a visual practitioner um, I discovered uh, the world of graphic recording and graphic facilitation when I was doing my master's in organization development. And I think I had been about a year into that master program, master's program when you and I met, uh, Wesley, uh, back in 2015. And so uh, as part of that master's program, the second year grad students have to plan what's called a learning community. This is the George Mason organization development program. That's where I was. And so I attended as a first year grad student, one of the second year grad students learning community workshop days, which happened to be on creativity. And they just so happened to invite a visual practitioner from the community. Uh, her name is Barb Siegel. And Barb led a visual storytelling workshop. And so Barb introduced us to five symbols and she had us pair off and tell stories to each other only through visual symbols. I'll tell you what they are, but the main point of it was it brought people to tears. And there was something about putting intention without words to a visual that was so incredibly powerful. 
And it moved me to the point of recognizing that this was something that I was very attracted to, especially having come from a performing arts background and now seeking a future where I wanted to better understand people and group dynamics. Visuals clicked that day as something that I really wanted to be a part of my journey. And so to make a long story short, <laughs> I know you like that line, um, to make a long story short, I got myself into a couple workshops. I, um, about a year later, joined a team of practitioners called the Visioneers here in the Virginia area. Um, and over time, I transitioned to, um, to running my own business. And it's, I've, I've loved every second of it. It's just been a wonderful journey. You know, that, that is a really interesting idea of just uh, it's like seeing how those click because I think there is something powerful about seeing uh, something a visual that can connect with people kind of an emotional level in ways that perhaps words maybe can't or you're almost reducing a lot of the extraneous uh, words that people say kind of condensing it down into right. like the essentials uh, so to right. speak in in graphic form that's memorable. That's exactly right. And that is one of the big skills of graphic recorders um, is the synthesis process that you just mentioned. Um, so really with a graphic recorder, the content is king, the, the, um, the meaning is king, the, the words are king, um, and the visuals come second. But that means it's the role of the graphic recorder to be a professional listener. Remember, we were talking about listening. <laughs> And so as a professional listener, you have to both listen to the content and then subtract out every uh, subtract out until you're getting to the essence of what feels important. And that that's actually a learnable skill. And I and I do teach workshops on this. Um, but to subtract down to what the essence is that, that the participants will want to remember. It's a very selfless generative process. And then the visuals that go into the graphic recording augment that either through highlighting a visual from a particular story or by using good visual techniques to help bring those key points to life. And, um, and it does a number of things for the participants in the room. The graphic visual notes will, um, will keep them engaged. So now you're engaging both auditory and visual learning styles as well as cement the information. So my favorite thing to hear after a graphic recording is to hear a participant say, I remember that. And that's a metric that it was successful. For me, the benefit is I actually learn a heck of a lot. So, so I, I really, I really um, uh, promote that everybody have some basic visual vocabulary skills because it's just a very easy and quick way to communicate. And you can, you, there's some very quick things that will help you um, ramp up your stick figures very quickly that will enable you to communicate better visually, which is really important if you are someone who has to communicate an idea like leadership, or if you work with designers and you need to kind of sketch something out really quick. The visual process is very much a, a, a tool that we all need because we're all designers. That no, that is really fascinating. It's almost like, kind of. I've been recently listening to the audiobook on on essentialism and just this idea of, um, you know, I just, yeah, I asked just today on, on my bike ride, um, you know, listening to it and just the, like the whole idea of 
taking everything and editing everything out that you simply don't need uh, mm-hmm. to the the very dis- like core concepts and, and just sticking with those. Because um, the truth is, at a never sit through an hour long meeting or whatever. Like no one remembers the entire hour, but I think when you can condense everything going on to the very core essentials like that most important you you really bring a lot of value to to what people you know need to remember so, so i am curious too you know walk people through like that that process is it they just bring someone on and you kind of walk them through like you listen like what are you actually doing as you are in a, in a room listening to what people are saying distilling it into a graphic format I love that question. And I love when people ask me that question because I really like to make things up. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, I do have really interesting conversations because people often want to know what is going on inside my brain. And I don't entirely know why the skill comes naturally for me. I think maybe it comes more naturally for some than others. And I do think that it's right brain, left brain sort of playing together in the same space, which is why I misspell a lot on graphic recordings. (laughs) (laughs) And that's because when you are graphic recording, you're actually concentrating on drawing your letters and drawing and spelling are two different sides of the brain. So (laughs) (laughs) to have those both kind of going back and forth, it can be very, it's a very tiring day when I'm graphic recording. It's actually more exhausting for me to graphic record than it is to lead a strategic planning session um, because it's just, it's the level of listening is so active and so takes so much energy. But what I'm listening for are some key things. And so it's not, you know, of course I'm special, but, (laughs) but these are things that, anybody can learn how to do. How do you listen for what's important? I bet you're listening to me right now because I took a big pause. And so you know that when I took that pause, that something important is about to be said. Or I might say, Wesley, here are three things I want you to remember. Oh, that's a clue. Boom. Three things coming up. Yep. Or, um, Or all of a sudden I start to use wild hand gestures and I'm talking really fast. And auditorially, you're more tuned in or I go start going really slow because I want to make sure that you hear what I'm trying to say. And even if I ramble on for a little bit and go on and on and on and on, chances are that if it's important, I will repeat it at the end of the sentence. (laughs) Now you remember. remember. And those are very, those are teachable listening skills. And that's what I'm listening for. I'm listening for those auditory cues. Uh, so I'm I'm really curious too. Then when it comes to like the strategic planning, do you kind of separate those two uh, those like two separate uh, skills that you will do in terms of strategic planning and then also graphic reporting, or do you ever do both of them like combined, uh, or or what does that look like? That's a brilliant question, and I'm so glad that you asked it. It is very hard to graphic record and facilitate a meeting at the same time, so it really is two separate roles. The graphic recorder is the silent listener and the facilitator is guiding the process. And so the way, the simplest way that I explain it is to say a graphic recorder is listening and holding markers. A graphic facilitator is passing out markers to participants. And that, and then graphic facilitation, you would be using also some kind of visual tool. For example, a template. Maybe the participants need to come up with a vision for the organization. And so each table or each breakout group gets a 
a blank uh, visual template that looks like the cover story of the organization in five years. That's an original from an organization called The Grove. And so each table might work on their vision together. And then it's lots of fun because it, a lot of things come up when you ask people to draw it. Most of the time, it's their own insecurities. So there's an opportunity to even do some leadership development with people when you ask them to do something they're not used to. That's a leadership skill. And that happens when you hand people a marker. Now, that is really interesting, too, because I think also like when you... It, it can make people a little uncomfortable, like, oh, I need to draw something. And and that kind of uncomfortableness can in some ways lead to uh, like new ideas coming up or that people might not have thought otherwise. Uh, or I think you'll get people who, you know, they, they're just not as comfortable speaking out in front of everyone. Maybe they're a little more timid, but when they can draw, all of a sudden, like everyone is forced to kind of come up with some ideas. Um, so, so I'm curious, I know we met, when we bumped into each other, I think, was it four or five years ago at at the event in West Virginia, like barely remember, but I remember there was a bit of graphic facilitation going on. And I believe you were actually hosting an event there. Is that what's going on? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. Yeah, actually. So that was a, that was a Herculean effort that was going on. And what it was, was a team of, I think eight or nine facilitators who were brought together by one of my mentors and now colleagues, Deirdre Crowley, C-R-O-W-L-E-Y. And Deirdre, um, is, uh, is a magnificent graphic facilitator. She trained me and she had an opportunity to work with this conference. And I believe it was about, if I remember, this was a while ago, but it was thinking about the next generation of nature conservationists. And so each of the eight facilitators had a breakout group of about 20 or 30 people that each of us worked. So I was one of the facilitators. We each worked with those group of 20 for the whole day. And throughout the day, we led them through a very standard facilitation process, which follows the flow of open, refine, and close. Any good meeting is going to have an opener, brainstorm, gathering in of ideas, a, a refining process, consolidating those ideas, figuring out what goes together, what's going to work, what's not work, that's not going to work, also known as the grown zone. Many meetings don't ever leave the grown zone. <laughs> no, they don't. That's right. And then the last piece is the closing and coming to a decision or creating some kind of model. And so uh, by the end of that session, we're talking two or 300 people coming up with their top eight to 10 ideas. Imagine that all through the power of facilitators using visual tools. No, I, I, I was filming the event. And so I do remember that uh, the one random thing idea I remember was that they were suggesting, cause it was like related to conservation. It was like every school needs to have one rotten log on the playground. Uh, so kids can explore like the bugs and stuff like that. And uh, I don't remember everything, but I do remember there's a lot of vision casting and being kind of pretty impressive that people could actually kind of all condense their ideas down through like repeated levels to the point where they could actually come up with something very like concrete and tangible to take away rather than just lots of times you go to a conference and you like you listen and you you, may, you might maybe jot down some notes but very rarely do people actually all as a group as a body like come up with their ideas and keep condensing it and so you actually have something very tangible to take away from from it right 
That's right. And I'll just, and, uh, and just to reinforce what you said, how many conferences have, have you gone to where there's been a panel of five people on stage, but you know there's 500 participants in the audience that all have wonderful ideas? And what if we could bring together those 500 people to create ideas together? How much more valuable would that be than having five talking heads? And I don't think I would get a lot of pushback on that, but people just don't know how to do those processes, but there's an art to it. There really is, but they can be so much fun and so rewarding when you use the right process to bring people together. And so I'm curious too, like how do you convince naysayers um, to create, bring that creative element into, into a meeting? Um, what is that process of kind of convincing them to have a graphic facilitator and a graphic recorder on board to help with a with a process? It's a challenge, and some organizations aren't ready for it. Um, I think that it sort of depends on the leadership. You know, it it requires that whoever is guiding that mission to say, "I don't have all the answers." And it also requires that person to say, I don't have all the answers and I'm not just here to check a box. And some organizations aren't there. But for the leaders that are able to say, I really want to bring together voices and the expertise of the masses so that I can make a wise decision or so that we can make a decision together, that's when there's real value. So there's, it's a, in some ways it can be a leadership Piece. And in other ways, um, graphic recording is where I'm listening and drawing is often a tough sell until you've seen it done live, which as you can imagine, is the reason why most of my graphic recording work, actually all of it went away <laughs> during COVID-19, because most of my graphic recording business came from people seeing it, and then recognizing the value of it. No. And so, so I am curious, how, how has that with, with COVID happening and that just transition online, uh, ha has anyone been able to adapt to, Hey, let's just bring someone on zoom or, you know, what has that been like? It's been a very humbling process. And actually this week, just as we're talking, the international forum of visual practitioners, which is the international association for this field is having their annual conference online. And, um, and that was a big transition, but arguably if you're doing an international conference, that is the way to go. Um, and now I forgot your question. <laughs> oh, how have they adapted? So um, a lot of people have gone digital. My, I got a iPad Pro 12.9 inches. Um, I love it. So I have gone completely digital. All my markers have dried out. Um, and the humbling part has come in when it comes to viewing it live. So with Zoom and with most of these programs, it's very difficult to create a high resolution visual experience where participants can see a speaker, a slide deck, and your graphic recording notes. And for the longest time as visual practitioners, we have said, oh no, the value of this is having to be, having, being able to see it live. The value is in being able to see it live. And now I think a lot of us are realizing that it doesn't have to be a live experience. That even if I'm just listening and people can't see what I'm doing, I'm still able to create a synthesized graphic. And then maybe 
I share my screen during a break so people can check in and look at their conversation from a balcony view and reflect on it. And then even better I've found is when the facilitator speakers are able to give me five or 10 minutes at the end, I can guide a reflection activity so people walk away with a deeper sense of what they talked about through going through the graphic. But it does, but that's been the biggest shift is seeing it live in the room to maybe seeing it periodically throughout a meeting. And I've just had, I've had less graphic recording work, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually okay with it. Ask me why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm, I'm curious why. <laughs> I've been, you know, I've, uh, thank you. <laughs> I know it's a selfish question, but I've, um, I've wanted to do more workshops, training and facilitation. Graphic recording tends to be a shiny object. Um, it's a wonderful tool. It provides a lot of value. And I really wanted to flex more into the coaching side of things. And COVID-19 um, in some ways has given me the space to create that kind of a focus for my business. No, that is interesting too, because because on my end, you know, I've been wanting to do kind of more switch over to more strategy in terms of the the this strategy side of video, because because on my end, you know, what I was finding is that you know obviously people want the shiny object, which is you know whether it's the graphic, um, like the graphics that, that you're doing or or video, but they're not necessarily thinking as much about what sh what they need to be doing, what they should be doing, and uh, so I have to agree that in some ways I think for everyone it has created that space to, to just think a little bit more deeply about things rather than simply going into produce 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 mode without actually like being able to step back. But I think it has created that space to to step back. So so for you, without doing as much of the, um, uh, let me get the terms right. Graphic, you're doing graphic uh, recordist. No, graphic recording? Oh, yeah. So lots of terms. And I know I just throw them out like crazy. So graphic recording is when I'm just listening and recording. And drawing. Yep. And then graphic facilitation is when, I, when, when I'm handing out the markers. And that is highly debated. So if anybody is in the field and they come after me for that, just know that I'm using those terms in a way <laughs> to make a really clear distinction because they're very confusing. Okay. But, but you've actually been able to do more of the facilitation now with COVID is, is what you're wanting to do. And, and you, have you found, how has that been going digital with that going virtual? It's been, it's been very exciting. I had some training on virtual facilitation previous to um, being quarantined and, and then was able to get a lot more training and even lead trainings on how to keep how to make some key adaptations so that your meetings stay engaging in a virtual platform. And that can involve a lot of different things. It can involve changing how much time you're meeting. It can involve um, breaking up your content so that it's in smaller chunks and people can take breaks. Um, and it also may involve using some tools very cleverly. I do a lot with Google Docs. So I, I do a lot with Zoom breakouts and a lot with Google Docs and a program called Mural, which is a visual tool for online post-it notes. And that's how it translates. You have to have a, and if you're meeting in person, you have to have a space and you have to have materials, your post-it notes, your markers, your paper. When you're online, you have to have your room, that's your Zoom program, and you have to have your post-its and your markers, which is can be our Google Doc or our Mural. 
board. That's where we capture the knowledge and the content so that it doesn't walk away. Um, that's a bit of a high level, but I've also really found that going virtual has enabled me to have some new and wonderful partnerships. There are a lot of facilitators who are highly tenured, highly experienced, amazing at what they do and weren't ready for this transition. And so they need people who are um, emerging in the field, who understand the field, who understand good group process, but also maybe understand the technology a little bit better to work with them. So I've actually found that some of my most creative projects have been the ones where I'm not even facilitating, but I'm doing what's called tech facilitation and supporting other facilitators who I haven't been able to work with. And maybe I wouldn't work with unless we were in the space we are in that we are in now. Yes. So have you found that in some ways, not just to be stereotypical, but that perhaps some of the older people maybe have had a harder time with just figuring out the latest technology. Um, and, and so it's created a good opportunity for you to kind of really troubleshoot the tech, work things, and kind of create a collaboration of, of coming together to, to make the most of the virtual experience through a combination of understanding tech and undertaking their experience and kind of combining it all together. Yes. And I'll, and I'll use the word, you know, I, 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 I'm going to, I try to leave age out of it as much as possible because I certainly don't like it when people look down on me for being a millennial and I definitely wouldn't turn around and do the same thing. So that's why I'm saying um, maybe more tenured uh, facilitators, but, um, but sometimes age has nothing to do with it, but really our attitude, our mindset and our own insecurities. And so sometimes it's not even teaching someone it's a tool, but it's helping someone, helping empower someone that they can do this and that their skills that they have, um, that they are masterful at. I mean, these are people who are masters at reading the room, at coaching, at understanding and working with leaders. And it's reminding them that even though they're looking through a camera and even though it's going to take a little time, they can, they still have all of those skills. They haven't walked away. And so, you know, sometimes it's an, it's an age thing and sometimes it's an attitude thing, but the generational divide is, um, is really apparent right now. And I just, you know, I would love to see that bridge be, that barrier be bridged through people working together in technology. No, I, I think that's a good point. I'm going to start, start using that more tenured is probably a better way to put it. I don't know uh, what that is or not. I just, maybe, you know, it's like uh, in lieu of. <laughs> in lieu of. Yeah, it, it is always a balancing act of uh, obviously wanting to be like respectful. Uh, but to me, at least that that sounded a, a good way to put it. Um, but, yeah. but I think. But I think you're right. There are just a lot of good opportunities for collaboration during this time, and uh, you know, and I actually really like those those points of understanding, like the room, the ability to have like something that you're writing with Google Docs, and keep people engaged. Because I think people are finding ways to transition to doing online events, but it really is going to. But that what's missing still is a little bit of that how to make things be continue to be engaging um you know because i think people are figuring out how to use the chat function of just hey to the chat write your answers or bring people on but i think you're right then in some ways like let's do breakout rooms with google docs or something like that is is still missing a little bit in terms of ability to create 
create docs. And I'll have to check out Mural because that's that's one that I'm not familiar with. Uh, no, can you repeat that one? What is it again? Mural. Uh, oh, Mural. Website? It's yeah. M is in Mary. U Utah. R R is in Ralph. A is in Apple. L is in Larry. Mural. And you're exactly right. And so um, remember how I told you I was going to mention Brian Tarallo, my colleague from Lizard Brain. Yes. Um, so Brian Tarallo has a wonderful model that he calls the the participation presentation spectrum. Actually, it's in reverse, the presentation participation spectrum. And on the one side, the presentation spectrum, you have uh, you know, Zoom, maybe a PowerPoint deck, and you're sharing your screen. And that's how most of us meet. And then as you move over to participation, maybe you add a poll, um, something quick, not too time consuming. Maybe you start using the chat function. And even that little step right there, moving from sharing screen to using the tools within Zoom sometimes requires an extra set of hands because now, because that's a, that's another job. So you have to staff up to get engaging. You have to have people that can help, help create a flow and a seamless user experience. And then as you go further towards the participation area and you start using breakouts because small groups are the way to do collaboration. Large group plenaries do not work. They drain the extroverts who all want to talk at the same time, and they drain the introverts who, who, who check out and need reflection time anyway. So you start using breakouts, you start using Google Docs, and you can create some of that engagement that you're missing. And so I'm curious, how have you been doing small, like small breakout sessions online? Um, Because I think people kind of have gotten the, hey, this is just a big webinar for like your would be your equivalent of a plenary session. But how exactly have you kind of shifted to doing like smaller? Is it just, hey, here's a Zoom room for smaller people or like not smaller people, a smaller group of people? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. If you're small, you go in this room. I know. Go this one. If you're tall, (laughs) go go in this room. (laughs) We have no way of knowing because it's in Zoom. Then everyone's sitting down. But. Yeah. Um, so I'm, let's see. So I'm planning a session right now um, that is a, a community of practice who's bringing 10 cities together, 20 people to share ideas around safer childbirth. And um, so they're going to, and in planning that session, I'm going to do a number of different things. First off, we're not going to do a full day. We're going to do two half days. And the presentation content, anything that needs to be one way delivered, that's going to be 10 10 to 15 minutes or less. And even in those 10 to 15 minutes, we have a question that's going to go in the chat. And then after each presentation, we do an activity in order to create feedback. So we're actually going to only use Google Docs for this. And um, there's a lot of benefits to Google Docs, which I could totally geek out on. But the way that we're going to do the breakout specifically is to say, okay, now that you've heard the results of our assessment, We have three questions for you, and we're going to get into three breakout groups. Breakout group one, you start with question one. Breakout group two, you start with question two. Breakout group three, and so on. And then you use Zoom breakouts. This is where having a second set of hands is really helpful because they can make sure that those breakouts get set up from an IT perspective in the right way. Then there's a breakout feature that allows you to communicate with each breakout group. So you set a timer, say you have 10 minutes to do the first question. When, when, you, when, you see us, when you see us type, it's time to move, move on to the next question. And so you just give a little bit of a process 
and have everybody in the same document. And, you know, we've, we've seen 20, 30, 50, I think even 100 people in a Google document at one time. Now, it's not foolproof. Always have to have a backup plan with virtual. It's because if something breaks, you don't want to have your process go out the window. But for the most part, that's how it works. Okay. And so with Zoom breakouts, are you using an actual feature in Zoom or just using a separate Zoom meeting rooms for smaller like groups of people? As a feature in Zoom, there's a breakout feature for Zoom Pro accounts. So we're using that. And I do believe that there are a couple other programs, web conferencing programs now that allow you to have a breakout feature. But we are still finding that Zoom is the most user-friendly and the most widely used program um, for facilitating with small group breakouts. And for those in the facilitation industry, that is number one. You can't sacrifice the ability to have small groups. No, definitely. I, th- I think you're right that you do have to be able to, uh, you know, have all that and to be just to be able to, to do the work, people need the big groups and then small groups. So that is a good note. Zoom breakouts. I hadn't heard of it practice. I don't have the pro account, but is very much um, needed, I think, for people to to need to be able to, to do stuff. No, so that's that's it's just super helpful. So where can if people want to check out your work? Where can they go to, to see some of the stuff that, that you've been producing? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Oh, thank you so much. So um, my website, I've been doing a lot of work on my website. So I invite you to go check it out. It's dancingwithmarkers.com. And and then to join me at every Friday at 8am, I'm doing what's called Friday coffee chats. And those are open one hour sessions. And we, um, we I actually run them uh, using a process called an open space. So whoever comes are the right people, and uh, we brainstorm some ideas. We usually talk about a couple of topics, but you always walk away with a new virtual facilitation process and the insights that were gathered from the people who are there. And it's usually five or six people, um, leaders, facilitators, coaches, visual practitioners, people who really want to be um, to gain confidence in the virtual space and to and to improve their skills, and they've been such a such a treat. So I would definitely check out my website. Um, come to a Friday coffee chat that those are on my events page, and then uh, find me on social media. I think uh, Instagram is probably my my Instagram and LinkedIn, but Instagram is Dancing with Markers. Okay, no, so that's really cool. Just you just do your Friday chat. Like anyone can join who wants to to kind of talk about things. Uh, uh, that's cool. Have you had that, some of it lead to any potential projects down the road? Or I'm curious about, cause it sounds like a really good, uh, I, I just hadn't thought of that before, but it sounds like a really good kind of like intermediate, have people get to know you a little more interact before actually like committing to like a one-on-one discovery call where they're, they're worried about it being like high pressure or, or something like that. Right. Exactly. Yes, that's entirely right. It's been from a business perspective, it's been a really good opportunity for people to get to know me. Um, I would, you know, while I don't know if I've, I've got, I've gotten partnerships, I've gotten mentors from it. I've got, I get new ideas. I usually field test ideas I have for workshops there. So, and so ultimately I'm more prepared when I go facilitate. Um, I don't know if I've gotten any 
any, any big clients from it, but, you know, really it's more about the opportunity to create conversation and it's, ideas. Been, it's been so fun. <laughs> it's been so fun to see who's going to come. I cap it at 10, you know, at 10 people. So that's a nice size group. So it doesn't get too big, but. Thing. No, that, that is a good idea because uh, um, I have been running a, a closed mastermind group in some ways where I, I really wanted to get feedback for my ideas that I was testing in terms of like lead magnets or, and that kind of thing. Uh, but instead of saying, well, instead of, you know, convincing people to come in and join and give me feedback, I was like, why don't I open it up so they can get feedback as well? And so I've been running a, a mastermind group, uh, especially with people in kind of the marketing video space since um, since like March. And so I know kind of the summer's coming around Um you know, people are starting to take off for vacations and stuff, but that's a really good idea of actually having something like that where people can just join. And then instead of having committing one hour a week to, uh, you know, online coaching for one-on-one, you're opening up where multiple people can bring ideas and, and get those connections, whether it's partnerships or uh, chances to, to meet. So that's actually a, a really great idea. I may have to take that one down. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, totally fine. Steal away. It's, um, I'll call it something different then. I might call it free Thursday coffee every week at 9 (laughs) a.m. I may have to rebrand because last week I got someone from the UK in there um, and he was drinking tea and it was lunchtime. So it was. Oh, no, that that does not work at all. (laughs) Tell him to get out. (laughs) Get out. Take a cuppa and go. And then I told him happy 4th of July, which may have been bad form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to wish a uh, happy American Rebellion Day to you. Um, <laughs> Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> I don't know. It just came out. <laughs> that's great. That, that's fantastic. Well, look, thanks so much, Lauren. It has been an uh, absolute blast talking with you and uh, hearing from your ideas. And uh, no, de- definitely took, I feel like your tips there for having virtual rooms, having presentations, people need to listen to that one, especially because uh, everyone's figuring out what virtual looks like. And, you know, it is kind of hard just to stay, listen to an event or they're, they're taking events and spreading them out. But I think people are missing that opportunity to really collaborate and get events, which is really where uh, like the best creative stuff happens is when you go to a conference and you meet people and you brainstorm ideas and you come up with things. And, and a lot of people haven't quite figured that out, how to do that online. And I think it's something that, that definitely needs to happen. And so just, I think you, you brought it brought it home with a lot of great tips there. Thank you so much. It was such a joy speaking with you. And as a professional listener, I don't always get opportunities to speak. So I very much appreciate them when I do. Thank you for All having right. me. Well, thanks, thanks for being on the podcast. And I'll have the yeah, links to the mentioned there in the in the show notes. So thanks. And that wraps up another episode of No Fat Cats. I hope you had a few great takeaways from what you can be doing better for how you can be as a leader, as a creative, pivoting your work, the work that you do to make it more effective. I think all of us are figuring out ways of having, especially like business meetings or anything like that where we have to get together. People are finding ways of doing those things online, but it means that they have to evolve the length of things, the way they process, the way people interact. And I think there's a lot of benefits to being able to have better online meetings because it's looking like, especially over the next bit for this year, people's meetings are just, they're going to be online and there, but there needs to be more interaction. There needs to be more going on to stimulate, to help people stay engaged. And it means perhaps less presentation and more engagement. And I feel like Lauren just had a few great tips on how to do that. So check out her work, check out what she's doing and be more creative with your meetings and include more visuals in them and make sure you keep that engagement high. Till next week, have a good one.